Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle, and I am here today with Alan Sagard, who is an author, podcaster, speaker, leadership coach, and former police commander. Uh-oh, we've never had a former police commander before <laughs> on the podcast. So, Alan, I'm so excited to talk to you about coaching and bringing out the best in people. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much, Emma. It's a pleasure to be on your show. It's an absolute honour, actually because uh, I've followed um, some of some of what your podcast is all about. And um, former police com- commanders are just normal people. Uh, we just happen, happen to have um, a job that probably not many people would take on, but it's we're just normal, normal, normal people. Yes, yes. I love that. You Already you've normalised the myth of uh, former police commander, uh, but I can't wait to talk to you more about that in a moment. For now, we'll get straight into it, Alan. I'm going to send you a curveball with anchovies on a pizza. You either love them or you strongly dislike them. What's your take? Anchovies on a pizza. Well, I um, I used to love them, but I'm now uh, plant based. So um, I've been plant based for a few years now. So I won't. I don't have them anymore. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. Well, listen. Because you answered that way, you can choose either your best. Which one do you want to start with? Your best coaching moment and what was a lesson, or your worst coaching moment and what was a lesson? So the best coaching moment would come out of probably the what you talked about, uh, police commander role. So um, for the listeners that don't know, I was the police commander in in an incident that happened in 2011 called the Mossman Collar Bomb job where um, an 18-year-old young woman studying for a high school certificate in Australia, in Sydney, um, had a man come into her house and put a what he said was a collar bomb around her neck and said he was a, a bomb expert and um, told left her all these instructions. So I ended up being the police commander in charge of that job uh, the briefing I got was um, we it ended up one of our police officers, young policewoman with a couple of her own kids, uh, elected um, to stay with the young woman until the bomb squad arrived uh, and the negotiators. Um, and the briefing that I got when I turned up was uh, Mr Sickard um, from the bomb squad. Mr Sickard, where your policewoman is, she will die if it goes off, if the bomb goes off. The success rate of removing a collar bomb worldwide is 0%. The note around this young woman's neck said that um, it's likely that uh, this bomb is on a two-hour timer because it referred to another incident in, um, in America. So out of that job, we did a lot of things. Um, I... I'm a kind of leader that um, I don't hog the limelight at all. I create an environment where people can do their absolute best and, and really no one knew that I was the police commander at that job. Uh, everyone else thought someone else was at that job. Um, we, we, and we resolved that uh, successfully after about seven hours and, and um, that's a story in my book. Uh, you might be going to be asking me about that, but the courage to lead um, uh, resilience and compassion in police command will be out in the uh, end of June this year. So I won't spoil the rest of that story, but out of that job um, about three years later, and I think most people would have heard about this job, uh, I, was the, I was the forward police commander for the Lint Cafe siege in Sydney. 
I learned so much from the collar bomb job about how to set up a job like that going into the 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 link cafe siege my greatest coaching moment out of that after doing those two jobs I realized uh with the right preparation and, and working together with good people we can really pretty well do anything after those two jobs I realized well if we get our emergency partners together if I prepare my own staff at, at every level to prepare for that for our next link cafe I started to do coaching at all levels with the my own staff with other other emergency services with the community about how to, and shopping centers transport agencies hospitals schools how to prepare for the next job and it's all about exactly what you talk about um, it's about having relationships with people it's about having the discussion it's about having imagination um, about asking questions and so that's probably my greatest co coaching moment that I'm really happy with is, is we did that. Because we, we, we trained together and we coached together and we, and we prepared together. One day when I was on holidays, um, I think in about 2018, 2019, these three, uh, five young guys decided it would be a really funny thing to go into the Chatswood Westfields shopping centre with five fake guns. Naturally, that wasn't a very smart thing to do, but because all of our, all of a lot of our police and the Westfields had trained together, they went in and they knew what to do. They knew what they could, how they could help each other, and they went in and resolved it without anyone getting killed at an exceptionally uh, professional level. That um, incident was kind of was recommended as an example of there was a new unit being forward and formed in the New South Wales Police at that time, an educational unit called the Best Practice Unit. And it was a great example about how you could prepare and coach people for the next big thing. Thank you for sharing those three incredible stories. One thing that I want to pick up on is the point that you made around when people know what to do through preparation, trust is inevitable. Yes. So congrats that's that's super awesome what about on the flip side can you think of a coaching moment that didn't go well probably early on as a sergeant and as an inspector i i was and probably still am a lot uh, a leader that likes to lead from the front um so i i was used to making things happen if i saw things that had to change i could lead it and i always had the protection of a boss above me um, and other leaders around me, and they, and they said, go for it. You know, we, we love what you're doing. So my first foray into being a police commander, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I'd never done the police commander role before, and, and, and it's all about um, that, that level of leadership is about empowering other leaders to lead, really. Uh, uh, but when you're brand new at it and you think you've got to, and you're impatient and you think, you've got to make an impression uh all of those things all those immature things and naiveties and uh not knowing what the job really entailed i went in to my first role as police command did too much disempowered my the leaders that should have been leading put a target on my back and it was probably the most awful time i've ever had as a leader and i had to regroup after I had to really regroup after that because it hurt me. It really hurt me at a at a core level. It hurt my reputation, hurt my mental health, 
um, and I had to pick myself and go again. So it's probably the great, greatest lesson I've ever had because I, I could sit here and blame so many other people, but it was my fault, my learning to do. Um, and what I'm really happy about is because I had that horrible misstep early on um, as a police commander, like I was a police commander for 15 years, I was able to help other people just starting their command journey and give them the benefit of... Um, so my probably biggest learning out of that is you have to build a formidable leadership team. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. We can learn so much from our early failings. I always call it chapter one of my coaching career when I did exactly what you're talking about, leading from the front. And the minute I learned how to, like you said, your words, build the team around you and empower them to do the leading, that's that's when you become a great leader. Uh, I passionately believe that after 30 years of coaching. So mm. thank you, thank you, Alan, for sharing that. What about your sliding doors moment? Being a police commander and and, and learning the value of if you do it with, if you approach a problem with a group of committed people, you can you can literally change the world. That's a that's a Margaret Mead quote, which is one of my favourite. What happened was um, in my world, in the police commander roles, each police commander in the New South Wales Police has a sponsorship. So one day we were in police commander meetings and our bosses said, we want a police sponsor for homelessness. And there was a resounding silence because no, no one had ever been the sponsor of homelessness before. And I just had two men die. I was the commander of North Sydney for, for you know, takes in virtually the Sydney Harbour Bridge up to um, the Spit Bridge um, and everything in between, um, pretty affluent area. So I just had two men, not that old, die in the caves at Waverton on, the, on Sydney Harbour in the last two or three months, which was a, and they only died from um, exposure to the elements, really, long-term exposure to the elements. So I put up my hand. I said, I, I would love to do this. So, um, and then I just researched it the way I'd research any leadership. Like I didn't know anything about it. So I, I sought out a university professor that was an expert in homelessness and, and why, how it all happened. And then I started to contact the experts in homelessness. Who leads this, who leads this response? There was all these brilliant people doing homelessness. They were all funded separately. And they only targeted their area of funding. And so if I was homeless or at the risk of homelessness, I couldn't navigate that environment at all. I persuaded, coerced, um, influenced these group of people to work together with me. And um, over a period of years, using the exact same resourcing and funding, we just changed the face of how you do homelessness. And so we, we, we would identify a particular area in the city. We'd go there once a month. Uh, we'd take people uh, with, you know, people from housing, and we caused this to change. It used to be a 50-page handwritten document to get out of homelessness, which most people in a homelessness can't read or write, a lot of them, um, on the streets. Um, so we changed it. So we'd have someone from housing with an iPad, and we'd get them housed that day. So we housed 300, over 300 people in a, probably a three-year period um, just by using, just by getting people to work together. So that, again, Alan Sickard's never going to solve homelessness, but to be part of that, 
So that's my sliding door moment. To be able to give yep. it, most, most police join to make a difference in someone, someone's lives. Anyone that's in the homelessness sector wants to make a difference in someone's life. So we're on the same page. We just had to do it at a united level. And it was the, the most rewarding thing ever. I'm hearing a bit of a theme come through, Alan, with regards to teamwork, with regards to getting different silos to talk to each other, getting everyone on the same page, uh, which is just fantastic leadership and coaching qualities. So thank you again for sharing such a beautiful story. And, yeah, one snowflake at a time, as one of my mentors always says. One, one little... once, you, once, once you get committed people together, get rid of their egos, and it's just about the end outcome. And it doesn't have to be about shining a light on Alan Sickard. It's just getting the outcome. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it's almost shining a light on the purpose too, isn't it? Yes, yeah. In one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? So my three words are empower, support, and include. I All actually right. used a different Tell me more. Ideas. So empowering people um, is exactly what we talked about. So in my policing life, um, I made it, so especially the last 15 years, every year I would do a six-month leadership development workshop because I wanted to shine a light on people with that spark of leadership and empower them how to be a leader that provides an environment where they support people and include people so that they can do their absolute best. The measure of a leader is about how many other leaders they create. Um, and that's really what I've, what I've been on. And, and since I've left the cops, you know, because I interview, <laughs> interviewed you on my podcast, I started a podcast, podcast called the Courage to Lead Interview Series, which shines a light on leaders who empower others to create supportive and inclusive environments to do their absolute best. Human beings need three things. They need to belong. They need the autonomy to create their own direction and they need kind of support around that to, to get there. Um, so belong is, is, um, is uh, the, the autonomy is around the empowerment of them. Um, the belonging is the inclusion of them. So you, you include people on the journey, you don't leave anyone behind. And the support is helping them, coaching them, help providing the, providing the culture at a leadership level for them to thrive. So we've all worked for bosses that are bullies, that run a disciplinary culture where every mistake you make, you make you're, um, you're petrified of getting the sack or whatever. But there's a flip side of that. If you create a learning and coaching environment where you empower other leaders to empower your, your team to have a go, in a learning environment, they will blow the socks off it. And you shouldn't be fearful of getting the sack. So if you if you make a mistake and you know it's a learning environment, you're gonna have a go. I as a police commander, like it's not my it wasn't my job to leave from the front a lot of the time. Um, and the only jobs I really went out for was the, the Link Cafe and the Mossman Collarbomb job. Um, where it, so the rest of the time I would let I would want to see the leaders who work for me thrive. So if they were going out to a big job and I, they knew what, I wanted to hear them on the radio, I wanted to hear them influencing the leadership of the whole team, 
And if they were going, if they were going all right, I would send them a text. I'd send them a text regularly saying, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. Uh, perhaps think about giving a briefing every 20 minutes over the police radio in this direction. So it sounds like you're in charge. You've got it all under control. Um, and then you'd hear them. Ten minutes later, they'd be bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Off they go. What this podcast is, what your podcast is all about, is coaching people and providing the support, the inclusion, and the empowerment for them to thrive. Great words, and thank you for all those really specific examples, really tangible things that we can all we can all learn from. And our last official question, Alan, is where we ask you to ask us a question. What sparks your curiosity? Well, I'll ask you um, in three in three words or less. What do you think makes a great coach, or what kind of what you're talking to me about is what makes a great leader? In three words mm. or less. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to answer it because you <laughs> <laughs> you flipped my own question back on me. Uh, but definitely in the book, I talk about uh, the three the E factors: energy, empathy, and enjoyment. And I have it across one of my T-shirts I wear all the time that sparks people to ask about that. The energy that we bring being that two-way street, the empathy to understand who's in front of us, which you've spoken about this entire episode, and the enjoyment factor. You've mentioned it again. One of the things I've picked up on in my notes here is creating learning environments where people are allowed to make mistakes. Yes. And the enjoyment of that. You can go from making a mistake to enjoying making a mistake. And yes. it's okay to fail if you're in that learning environment. So I want to go there next, Alan, with you. I want to talk about a life and death situation because we don't get many people like yeah. you on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. So what happens when you are confronted, which you mentioned before, some, some pretty big high-stake situations and you've got a young, say, police officer who's at the at the scene, you as the senior senior person at the scene, how do you coach someone or is it when to wear what hat? Like how do you know what to do in that moment? I'll go to the Link Cafe. I was driving across the Sydney Harbour Bridge and I always have the police radio on so I can hear what's going on. So I heard the radio chatter about the Link Cafe going on. And I knew from the from the Mossman collar bomb job and the Link Cafe, when you hear the radio chatter of a job like that, you know it's real. It absolutely, and yeah, everything just slows down in you, um, and you realise, oh my god, this is a this is a job, this is a, yeah, this is a real job. So I virtually did a a U turn not long after getting off the Sydney Harbour Bridge. There's a way, there's a spot to do that, and I started heading back into the city, and I got on the radio and said, uh, Sydney City 1, because that's the commander's car. I'm on my way to that job. You have to show you're leading at times and, and then step back and let the people with the expertise do what they have to do. Because I've been at the collar bomb job, I knew what I was going to do going to the, to the Link Cafe. So this guy, this, his name was Monis. Um, the, ev- the early evidence was that he had a, a backpack full of wires, so we thought he was wearing a bomb. He had a, a shotgun, had a, a, a rifle or a shotgun with him, and he'd taken 15 hostages in the Link Cafe. I said on the air straight away, um, I, I want the traffic commander of the Sydney City area to come to this job 
and create a traffic exclusion zone, like a perimeter, so that so that the the inner perimeter of the Link Cafe was shut down. But I want him to keep the rest of the city of Sydney operational because you can't afford to shut down Sydney because it's a it's it's a thriving metropolis. So I knew that I no longer had to do that if I asked him to do that. So then for the next two hours, we just went about jobs like that. Uh, I, I knew that um, I had to create the environment for people to do their best. I knew that we needed a, a team of inspectors from the Sydney City Command. There was an operational inspector, one of the best I'd ever worked with. There was another inspector who used to be an ex-homicide team. There was another inspector that turned up was an ex-police prosecutor. I said, well, you're with me. <laughs> you're going to take my notes so you, and tell me if I'm, if I'm making a mistake. Then the next inspector turned up. He's the, he was the most and probably he was the most experienced uh, senior detective the city has ever seen. So I put him in charge of investigations to start taking witnesses statements and he, he worked out where that was going to happen. Then we started um, just making sure the area had to be orderly. There had to be room for fire and rescue. There had to be room for police and there had to be room for ambulance to set up. And if you see any photos of that scene, it looked orderly. Because I'd, try, I'd done heaps of, and I'm not saying I'm anything brilliant, but I'd done a lot of big jobs and like big events like the City to Surf, um, countless numbers of New Year's Eves, big concerts at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Um, I, I was used to leading a lot of people and creating the environment where I, I'm, not the, I'm not the centre of attention, just creating the environment for them to thrive. What I hear, which is a great take-home message for coaches, is when we are going through high periods of stress, control the controllables. What is it that's within your control and how can you make it as safe as possible? So that, that's what I heard in that story is a nice through line for coaches to remind themselves because at the end of the day, coaching sport, coaching business is not life or death. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, but we often feel, you know, high stress environments in, you know, in, in, in a game situation or, uh, you know, when you've got to close a, a million dollar deal or whatever it might be. So control the controllables and create that environment. You, you've, Again, great through lines in this episode to really empower people and uh, to help them do, do what they were born to do. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by The Samson Agency, a boutique talent agency managing entertainers, artists and athletes. You can learn more at thesamsonagency.com. And if you're interested in becoming a coach, Check out opendoorcoachingusa.com for all our latest courses in Leader as Coach and our High Performance Workplace Coaching Certification. Now let's get back to the show. My advice is you don't have to know it all mm. and start as, a, as a leader and as a commander, but if you surround yourself with people and, you have, and you, you have the faith in them and they have the faith in you that we're in this together, well, uh, we're in this together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. And that's, I, I think that's that I'd never pretend to be, you know, someone with all the knowledge. I'm, I think I'm pretty simple most of the time, but I can, um, 
I'm just a, you started off. I'm just a normal bloke, really. Yeah. That yeah. that has has learnt over time to work with people um, and create the best environment for all of us to have the outcome we want. And I don't care if I'm at the back, um, and no one ever knows my name. So could you finish by sharing a little bit more about your book? Why did you write it? What's it about and who's it for? So why did I write it? Uh, My leadership style is empowering others to lead. And it took a while for that to happen. And I just wrote it for people. It's not just for police. It's for anyone, really. Um, We all find ourselves in leadership positions. Sometimes we're out of our depth. Sometimes we make mistakes. Learn from it. Uh, learn, get a coach, get a mentor, have some, have a peer group, self-reflect regularly. You know, how did I, how did I contribute to this mess in front of me? How I learned to be an empowering leader. Writing the book because it took me three years to write it because you know, I got it wrong several times. Um, it identified the steps along the way which leader taught me some particular skills, and that's kind of the 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 first lesson is forgive yourself. If you haven't killed someone, even if, even in and probably in our work, that, that can happen. Forgive yourself and learn from it. And and I'm something I've always said to other leaders, trying to trying to get, you know, uh, to be more influential leaders is um, it's never over until you say it's over. It's about creating a formidable team, knowing that's at the core of it, really. Because if you if you're the if you're a leader of one, when well, you're a leader of no one, um, if you're putting a target on your back, well, that's disastrous. But if you've got a strong, formidable team, strong, formidable, united, cohesive team around you, you can you can do anything. And if they and if their goal is to create a supportive and inclusive work environment, you can make work so much fun for people, and people just thrive. So that's and I didn't know I didn't start out probably writing a book about that. Uh, I knew it worked, but I didn't know why it worked, what I did. But the book allowed me to explore that. So, and then, like I've given you examples on this podcast, um, you can go into the most, the biggest job, but if if you're prepared and trained together, you can literally take anything on. And then, like, homelessness is is a wicked problem all around the world. But with the right group of people, uh, I, I, I'm I'm such an optimist about this. I firmly believe we can end homelessness if we get the right group of people around. Because it's not right that we leave the most vulnerable behind. I think it, that's a judgment on all of us. So the book's about how, if you with the right preparation, the right lessons, the right self-reflection, you can make a difference to your family. You can make a difference to your friends. Um, it doesn't have to be some normal bloke that's got called to go to the the collarbone or to, to the link cafe it can happen anywhere so it sounds like it is a book for <laughs> that transcends uh audiences really and people wanting to empower and grow and learn and well you can learn more at alancigar.com his book will be out uh june of 2023 we are excited to uh stay on the lookout for it alan i appreciate you reaching out to me originally and I appreciate flipping my podcast back on you together as you said we can all make a difference and thank you so much uh, for being prepared and for uh, empowering these committed people to work on things like saving homelessness 
and making a difference in the world. So thank you, Alan, for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you for the privilege. It's a it's an absolute honor to be on your show. Yeah. Together we're all just normal people, aren't we? Just doing <laughs> trying to do our little bit. Uh, with empowerment, support, and being inclusive. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Coaching Podcast, please share it with a fellow coach. And thanks for listening.